0: This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashan Senanayake.
1: Welcome back, guys, and uh, we're actually here with a really special um, guest today here in Melbourne um, at the Swinburne Uni Data Conference, Data National Conference. We're here with the president of uh, the Data Australia. He's um, also the head of design at Northcote State High School, um, a leading STEM teacher, and um, and just a wonderful human being all around. I will give a bit of a disclaimer: we both have a a pretty strong accent, so you're going to have to listen even more carefully than our previous episodes. Uh, So tune in, it should be a uh, lot of good fun and uh, welcome Peter. Thanks, thanks for having me. Um, Can you start off with a a little bit of a background on yourself?
0: Uh, Sure, I um, studied industrial design or it was called integrated product design when I did it in in Glasgow in Scotland and uh, that was kind of like a half design, half business degree. Um, So I... Went travelling after university and went back to Scotland and worked in retail design, so designing shops, yep. um, which was fine for a while. As an industrial designer? Or- yeah, I, I kind of helped out wherever they needed me, but I, designing furniture was meant to be my main job. Yep. But I quickly ended up managing projects that no one else wanted to, to, to deal with. <laughs> Um, So I got a lot of experience in that role, Uh, but after a few years of that, I was looking for something different, and I moved into kind of uh, tertiary education, uh, just working at colleges and universities in lots of different roles. Um, And when I was working at Dundee College, because we'd moved to the Highlands, um, I had an opportunity to learn how to teach English as a second language for free. Oh, wow. So I took that opportunity. Yeah. And then we moved to Berlin for six months just to use it, yep. <laughs> and, uh, and six months turned into four years. And I, wow. I, I loved teaching English. It was mainly to businesses, so uh, IBM, Deutsche Bank, Mercedes-Benz, those yep. types of companies. Yeah. Uh, and after a few years of that, it was, it was time to start thinking about becoming a teacher properly, and maybe teaching something I know more about than English. Yep. So I decided to become a design technology teacher, and then we moved to Australia, and that was nearly 10 years ago.
1: Wow. Seriously, that's a interesting life. So far, so good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, I, I honestly don't want to guess your age because I think I'm going to get it very wrong. Because um, I I would guess mid thirties.
0: Well, thanks very much. I just turned forty, so
1: uh, I must be seriously. Doing, I must be doing something right. But I'm, I'm oh, not wow, sure what, I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> <laughs> must be your background. I don't know all the rich experiences, but that's incredible. Um, so with that, um, what? you you you've somehow always been in design um what exactly about design like makes makes it makes it interesting for you or like what captures your attention do you think
0: yeah i mean i think as a, as a child i just wanted stuff
1: mm-hmm. so i just i just drew
0: it and made it and you know whatever yeah. i couldn't get from my parents i would go into the garage and make um so that that it was always been a, an early passion of mine and lego was a big thing mm-hmm. um, but it, the skills that I learned at university, I've, I've managed to use them in every role that I've had yeah. in some way. Yeah. And uh, sometimes um, maybe it's marketing skills, or maybe it's uh, setting up a new business, yeah. or, or something like that. But um, the, my skills have always been transferable, and I've always felt completely kind of confident in my own abilities in any role that I've landed in. And it, it hasn't been until I've moved into particularly secondary school education that I felt like I'm using all of my skills all of the time. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's the most important thing that kind of design has given me.
1: Yeah. And I really find it interesting when you mentioned that um if you couldn't get something you went and made it yourself. Sure. So it's that ability to create yeah. something out of nothing almost. So Yeah, and normally things that I wasn't meant to have out of things that I probably shouldn't have used. <laughs> Fair enough. There yeah. you go. Um that's really interesting. So, when it comes to um, teaching uh, design, do you have any preferred methods that you use in your classroom, like m- compared to maybe back then and and or even today?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, I never, I didn't teach in the UK. I didn't teach okay. design there, so I didn't learn a, a different way of doing things. I came to Australia, and I just hoped that they had workshops and schools and yeah. tools and equipment and materials that I could get my hands on and, and help students out with. So when I first arrived, I was just very happy helping kids yeah. put nails into wood. I mean, it just seemed like a nice <laughs> way to, to make a living. Yeah. Uh, but quickly I realised that that wasn't enough for the students. They weren't engaged. Um, it was only a certain type of student that, that, that kind of found their place mm-hmm. in that part of the school. Mm-hmm. And normally it was those students that had switched off from the rest of, of school yeah. and didn't feel particularly academic yeah. and... and, and and we maybe a bit lost. So it was good that we were a home for them and you could kind of take them on and encourage them and, and maybe empower them to feel like they could do something valuable. Yeah. But there was a lot of students that just didn't see it as for them. Yeah. And I really wanted to engage them because I knew there was a lot more that we could do and I took experiences directly from university. And In fact, the, the curriculum changes that I brought in in the first couple of years at my first school mm-hmm. were straight out of university. Um, and I just adapted it, it for them. And they really took to it. And they loved um, using CAD and, um, and and thinking about how they could solve problems bigger than where should I sit my coffee cup or how am yep. I going to store all these magazines? Yeah. Um So when they started thinking about a future transport or any sort of gadget or gizmo and drones and mm-hmm. robots and all that that type of thing, uh, when I started to introduce them to more possibilities, the engagement really grew and the behaviour got better, and I was having a nicer time. They were having a nicer time. Yeah, and it's just kind of continued from there. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. that's brilliant. And um, I one of the ones that uh, one of the keynotes that you gave at the Queensland State Conference uh, this year, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that because it was about in, embracing that change, um, especially with the whole um, technology coming in and design becoming almost the centre of. Other disciplines, mm. and and it's it's a very big shift from being able to you're the you're, you're the guy who builds the coffee table sure. or the or the you know pencil case or something like that. Sure. So with that rapid technology change, do you have any things that you do with the school yourself or with the students um, to stay ahead of the curve almost with the rapid technology change? Um, technology is a
0: difficult one. So if you are at a government school, yes. Like, so. <laughs> and you don't have much cash, yeah. then you have to be innovative in other ways. If you're at a private school and you've got all the money in the world, yeah. great, you go for it. You've got technicians, you've got people that know how to operate things. Yeah. Um, so that removes a lot of barriers. Um, we Initially, it was just about changing the types of projects that students were doing. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make sure that whatever project we put out in front of the students, mm-hmm. we gave them lots of freedom within that. Okay. And that generally the products would be things that they would be interested in. So do they go and find their own problem? or Well, you know, in, in, increasingly, so at, at, in junior year levels, you kind of set the problem and the yeah. context and it's much more structured, but then just as, as the year levels increase, we, we strip that away Freedom and, happens. until yeah. we get to yeah. you know, year 12 and they are completely finding everything on their own and understand the problem yeah. uh, and tackle it any way they, that they want. Um, and we quickly came away from uh, focusing just on materials. Yeah. So this is a woodwork thing or a metalwork thing or plastics. plastic. Um, so we're, all, we're always focused on problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, what problems can we solve? Um, and so the, yeah, the, the, the students have really enjoyed that. But with technologies, the, technologies are really just a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do a lot of things with hand tools. Yeah. Technologies make it easier means a form cutting. of technology. Yeah, yes. laser cutting will make something a lot easier, but you can kind yeah. of get around things with lots of different little techniques. Yeah. Um so technology is great. It can be engaging um maybe initially. Mm-hmm. Like we I, when we brought in 3D printers, it was like wow, that's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> 6 months later, no one's interested really. Um and 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 it's it's always about what what is the work that the students are engaged in? Mm-hmm. What are they trying to do? Do they have freedom? Yeah, uh, are they intrinsically motivated in in, in, in the task? Yeah, um, and that's where we've um, tried to place ourselves. Now we're very fortunate in Australia that the uh, Australian curriculum for technologies, mm-hmm. design and technologies, is quite progressive, and it'll talk about things like products, sure, but also services mm-hmm. and environment. Um, so we have, and through the teachers' associations, we have close links with the universities. Yeah. So we, we, we went to RMIT and said, what is this service design thing yeah. and how can we apply it in a high school setting? Yeah. Um, and so they were really helpful. And so within um, a couple of months, we developed a, a unit of work for year eights where they develop an app and device, something similar to the Fitbit. Yeah. So we identify something that um, someone really wants to achieve or some problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. And they'll develop a conceptual yeah. device, an app, to, yeah. to go with that. And, and I think that's how we are managing to kind of not stay ahead of other schools, but that's how we are developing our learning area by trying to find new and interesting ways to engage
1: students. Yeah, that's brilliant. I actually really enjoy the fact that um, your are uh, what do you call, reaching out to the tertiary level mm-hmm. and then uh, those other areas... Through the teachers' association to bring that knowledge into the high school. Now, when you give the students that problem to solve, before they start concepting, do they go through like the understanding and research and point of view um, yep. phases? Yeah, basically they follow following the design thinking model, so yep. they've got yep. to.
0: Uh, Empathize and basically just yes. understand the area and think about the user.
2: Yeah,
0: and and for young students, uh, it, it's a difficulty for them to think about someone else's perspective. Very much so. Yeah. Um, so, but that's that's good. That's that's work that they need to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's been a big part of, um, of of our approach. And um and when it's come to, when it comes to finding problems, um. The bigger the problem, the better. Mm -hmm. Whereas just now what happens in a lot of schools, and I've done it myself in Mm -hmm. the the past, it's just the older the students get, you just give them bigger and bigger products. Yeah, yeah. But that's not not necessarily the best way to go. So the bigger the problem, the better. And then the students can just find one angle or one way to address that issue. And whether that's with an app or a device or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, they they seem to really take to it. Now, the app thing is a really interesting one because we had to introduce ideas like information flowcharts and and to kind of new visual language for them. And we were quite uncomfortable with with that because we didn't really understand it much ourselves. Um, But the students got it and the students flew with it. And whenever you do those types of projects where you extend yourself and you you think you might be extending the students maybe even too far sometimes, Mm -hmm. they often take it and run with it and they start teaching you. And that's been our experience so far.
1: Do you think that's because... um they they're exposed to a smartphone or a device or apps and take that technology from a very young age. They just that's just sure what they it's know.
0: it's their world and and, and they, kids grow up in a completely different way to, to what we or how we grew up. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I think my son is being part raised by YouTube. <laughs> he, he adopts the accents of his favorite YouTubers. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a problem. But uh, <laughs> so there is a completely a different environment. They are very kind of digital and and, yeah. and, and that world doesn't scare them at all. And yeah. They're very comfortable with it. And I think we need to become more comfortable with it to to, to ensure that we can engage them.
1: Yeah. That's great. And um one of the things I actually I spoke about in my seminar just then was um how virtual reality comes into mm. this. Um because that's the that's almost like the next thing after like 3D printing, laser cutting was a thing, you know, mm-hmm. a few, uh, five, ten years ago. Now it's kind of yeah. VR, AR, MR, that kind of thing. So um, d- one of the case studies that we found in the U.S. Oh, actually, it was I think in Toronto um, where the class, they found that the top 10% of the mathematics class um, were the students who were engaging VR um, formulas and visualizing. Uh, algebraic equations in virtual reality and being able to actually draw the graph versus saying X plus Y equals Z, um, they seem to understanding within two, three days of using it versus sometimes going on the whole semester or the term without yeah. understanding it. Um, so do you think that um, VR, AR, that will die down or do you think that'll become more of a embedded technology in our classrooms looking at the next you know 5 to 10, 20, 30 years? I think it's inevitable that VR and AR will become more embedded in, in what we do, particularly
0: in, in designing technology yeah and it's exciting in some ways um, I think so <laughs> Yeah. it's uh, exciting that so again if you take a, if you look at different schools and the resourcing levels yeah um, if you don't have all the best tools and equipment and materials and, and even assistance, um, then you are going to um, struggle. So VR could level the playing field. Mm-hmm. Everybody could be creating digitally and then it could be 3D printing or just exporting videos or images from, from whatever they've created. Yeah. Um, so I think that it will come. I don't think it will replace making. I don't think it will replace lots of the things that we do. I yeah. don't think it will replace artefacts, because those things are important to us. Definitely. Culturally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think we, we all, we're always going to want to have the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But if you look at Ford, for instance, um, now Ford have obviously um, stripped right back their engineering uh, in Australia, but what they have kept is their design mm-hmm. um, and development centre. And the, the virtual reality and AR is heavily used in that environment. Yeah. So they will test everything in the interior architecture of cars all has to be checked out in vr before they spend any money in making yeah uh, they can run focus groups with uh, potential buyers yeah all in vr without yeah. um, wasting a lot of money so it's it's opening up a lot of possibilities and um, and i think it will just be another great tool to have available and mm-hmm. um, but i don't for C is walking into a classroom and everyone's just sitting on a, on a headset f- for the whole day. Yeah. Yeah. At least I hope not.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but definitely a great tool. Yeah. No, definitely. It's, um it's interesting because um, the Ford, Ford example you gave, I actually recently found that um, Mercedes Benz was using VR for their marketing. Mm. Um, they were, they were advertising their new AMG model mm. where someone can put the headset on and actually sit in the car and, yeah. and see it and they can look around and they can almost touch and feel the uh, heads up display and everything like that and you, you feel like you're in the, in the car yeah. so it's uh i think the, i think the applications are really incredible and in what can happen so it's uh, exciting times definitely in the classrooms yeah uh, from that point of view um looking at how this technology and like how the evolution of um the design as a subject and how we teach do you think this... How, how does this relate, in your point of view, to 21st century education and 21st century learning skills?
0: Well, the, the future of work is changing. Yeah. Um, Industry 4.0 and yeah. uh, and all of that stuff. And this, <laughs> That's and something the, you
1: mentioned at the conference. Yeah, yeah. And, uh,
0: and, it, and it's going to be a major thing. Um, and it's not just blue-collar jobs that are going to change, it's white-collar jobs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so... With that, there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of opportunities. Um, another name for it is this: the, the gig economy. Yep. So um, that's quite scary in one way. That I don't think people can guarantee that they're going to be in kind of long-term permanent employment. Um, I don't know how people are going to manage to get a mortgage in the future, but yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure I'm sure things will adapt. So the gig economy is interesting. Now, for the gig economy to work, you have to be able to work. Um, mm-hmm Mm off-site you have to be able to communicate with people on the other side of the world you have to work in teams virtually Um, and so this technology is is, is going to assist that and the more comfortable and familiar students are in that um, area the better Mm -hmm. Um, so being able to talk to a a manufacturer in America or China or wherever it might be in a virtual space and and explore a product or, or a manufacturing issue or whatever it is if it's Designing technology, yeah, um, that's going to be incredibly useful. Mm. For we had a speaker from Ford at the conference yesterday, mm-hmm. and, and and it's definitely one of the skills that they're now. They don't need people to have it just now, yeah. but they will,
1: yeah, they will, yeah. yeah. Um, this is a little bit going off topic, but I've constantly read the fact that you know the fathers of these technologies, um, people like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, and um, you know um, experts that we that are in technology. Something that they constantly said was they don't let their kids use their technology, Mm. use this technology until they were more than 10 or 11 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you have any thoughts on that? Like, what do you think, how does that affect our classroom? Um, All right, so there's a couple of things in there. As a parent,
0: (laughs) I don't know how I would survive without the (laughs) iPad. Like, this is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, look, it it, it is a bit of an issue. One of the worst things that happened in schools... Mm -hmm. Uh, was that it happened at a great time for Apple, so they developed an entertainment device. Mm-hmm. That's what the iPad is. Yeah. Any yeah. anybody that's designing that product is thinking about how can people consume entertainment. How can they watch stuff? How can they play stuff? Yeah. It's not for creation. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you would have designed it differently. Do you think it's becoming more about creation now? I think so. It's evolving. Yeah. Right. But at the time where schools were kind of looking for, for kids to have one-to-one devices and stuff like that, and what, what the laptop should or the we go for? Yeah. Or even at that time, it was still desktops. Should we have desktops around the walls in every classroom? And, yeah. um, and it was cheaper. And the battery life was great. Mm-hmm. And if you gave them a good case, it probably would last a year. It's mean, yeah. <laughs> crazy that we just think about IT in, this, in, that, in that short term. Yeah. But that, that's what happened. And it's, it's been an incredible distraction for students. Yeah. Uh, it, and they freely admit it. Um, in fact, we just had the graduation ceremony for our, our year 12s mm-hmm. uh, a couple of months ago. And they were the first uh, cohort to have the iPads in year 7. Oh, wow. So right. this has been with them all the way throughout secondary yep. school. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been very much a part of their, their schooling. And they're open about it as soon as the teacher's talking or doing something or somewhere else, game. Yeah. You know, as soon as there's not not much happening, it's a game. So um, I think also uh, when it first came out, uh, parents were moving kids from one school to another so that they would get an iPad. That's right, yeah. I mean, it, was, it really was kind of crazy. <laughs> um, but um, it did put IT... Uh, in the kind of mass education. Uh And I think we've learned the lessons and and now laptops are kind of where we need them to be and and kids are able to kind of create more with those types of devices. But I still come back to this point about if students are engaged in what they're doing, Uh um, then they're not as easily distracted by this type of stuff. Uh Uh So if they're working collaboratively Uh and they've got lots of choice about what they're doing Uh and they think, uh, not not that they think, but they're empowered to tackle big issues, Uh they are into it. Yeah. You know, that's better than just sitting trying to get the, to the next level of the game. It's yeah. more fun for yeah. them, actually. Um, and I just had an experience last week where I, I witnessed that. Um, I had a week long project with kids uh, tackling United Nations uh, sustainability goals using digital technologies. Yeah. They could pick any goal they wanted, they could come up with any sort of solution they wanted. Yeah. And they were into it. And I really didn't have to ask any students to put the iPad down and stop playing the game. Um, they were using their devices, but they were mm-hmm. using them for research or to make videos or to, to make a website or an app or something like that.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so, can be a useful tool. The iPad thing w- was—I was, w- don't think it was helpful. Yeah. And I think Apple took advantage of that market that they found. Yeah. Um, um, so hopefully we're past that. Um, but yeah, as a parent,
1: uh, well, <laughs> way more complicated. That's true. That's true. And I can't freaking explain yeah, yeah, yeah. right that. But yeah. 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 Um, one of the things that I've actually noticed on that same same topic was um, my fourth years at QUT, um, this is the architectural cohort, and um, it, it, when I went through, and it wasn't that long ago, I graduated in 2012, and uh, we, we were using yellow trace or white trace paper and sketching and just mm. literally miles and miles of trace paper, yeah. well, especially when we're in the design phase. And um, more recently, like it's something that I really found in this last term was um, that more students are not bringing trace paper anymore. They're literally bringing a big iPad Pro, one of the Mm -hmm. latest ones, and they're bringing the Apple Pencil or or a Surface Pro, Mm -hmm. and they're just sketching for unlimited pages. And I'm like, there's good things about it because you're saving so much paper Mm -hmm. at the same time. And on the other side of the coin, they're very dependent on that technology. Mm -hmm. If that loses, the entire design is gone. It's not. I don't know if it was backed up. I think some of them were, some of them weren't. Um, and just the way they work with the whole turning on and off layers rather than actually putting the trace paper on top of each other, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like a dinosaur talking <laughs> yes, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, Although um, it can go the other way, so if you've got that all the the work in your physical
0: portfolio, that's the thing, and you leave it on the tram. Yeah, nightmare. That's <laughs> that's the, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm
1: like, wow. There's, there's, it's it's a very interesting point, and yeah. I'm seeing that transition. And and I swear, my fourth year there were more iPads than trace paper mm. in this in this last mm. semester. So. It's it's very interesting to see where it's going, um, um, but I'm glad to hear that it's across the board. Do you actually, from your point of view as the Data Australia president, do you see that is this the same norm across Australia um, in terms of the technology shift and what the um, the impact that it's having in the classroom and how the teachers are tackling it? Their viewpoints. Figures. Yeah, I
0: think one of the things, as a teachers' association. One of the things that we um, try to help our members with is that we try to introduce them to the new technologies um, at events like conferences or workshops where they've got time to sit with someone who knows what they're doing and can help them. Oftentimes, it's just an introduction. Um, But because teachers are so time poor, uh, keeping up with the technology is really difficult.
1: It's almost like the next time they come to the PD, it's a different thing. Yes, yes.
0: And if you take CAD, for instance, so when I started uh, 10 years ago, the kind of obvious choice to use for CAD was SketchUp. Yeah. It was free. It would run on anything. It was yep. pretty intuitive. Pretty easy. Yeah. 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 Until you went to 3D print from it, then it was a a story. <laughs> um, but then, so a colleague of mine um, joined the school a few years ago, and he said, well, look, most of the kids have got iPads. Mm-hmm. There's this program that we can use. It's browser-based, so they can do it on the iPads. Like, okay, let's use that. Yeah. Um, and so we learned how to use it one summer and then we, we rolled that out but then halfway through the year something strange started happening the the kids stopped using the ones that we were telling them to use right. and someone else at the back of the class had learned how to use Fusion 360 or, or, or whatever oh, it wow. doesn't matter and so then he's, teach- he's taught all the kids at his table how to use that. Yeah. But then over here, someone's got. I don't like Fusion Three Sixty. I'm going to use this. Oh wow. And so it, it, I've, I've now got a, a digital design class at year ten. They must be using four or five different pieces of software, and I don't know. I only know one of them. <laughs> but fortunately, the kind of obviously the, the stuff we've shown them initially is yeah. is en- enough to get them across all of them. So you just got them started, and they started running with yeah, it. Yeah, but, but Bailey even started. You know, it was like I'll show you two or three things to start drawing and yeah, then right. you're going to play and experiment and explore.
2: Yeah.
0: And then after a bit of uh, exploration, here's a simple thing that you can try and draw, a Lego brick or something like that. Yeah. Um and then and then we're going to go through a full design process, design yeah. thinking, solve a problem, come up with the product, and then you're going to model it. Yeah. And that was basically the, the the digital design elective that we had and yeah, they're all using different platforms, different software. It's, it's weird, but it's great. It's fantastic. And they're teaching themselves because they're engaged. Yeah. And they're going home and they're playing with it and they're chatting to their friends about it and they're showing each other.
1: Yeah. And that's, as an educator... That's what you want. That, that's the dream. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. I'm just thinking back. Um, that's what happened to me in first year at, at Tertiary yeah. because we were forced to learn all the softwares on our own and I got in got my foot in the door with SketchUp but um, in high school we were taught almost redundant softwares like Pro Desktop Mm -hmm. so we never used it and no one uses it anymore so Mm -hmm. it was kind of a waste of time in a Mm -hmm. way but um, when we came into uni there were a couple of these really high performing students that were using SketchUp for these very very simple things and we're still doing sketches and it just can't even compare so I remember thinking and feeling the same way and then that forced us to then learn it ourselves and then that then bridges onto Revit or then ArchiCAD yep. or whatever yep. and then Photoshop and you just go from there. So yep. the fact that that's happening in year 10, that's, that's incredible. They're going to be literally years ahead. So that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yep. Um, how do you, um, as a teacher, when it comes to all these changes and, and um, what's happening and the amount of information that you kind of just need to know a little bit at least, mm. Um, how do you make time, or what do you do to actually s- keep up with it?
0: Yeah, I mean, again, that's where the associations really come in. I mean, So the reason that I got involved with associations was that um, I landed in a, and it was a nice little school, um, Catholic boys' school in the centre of mm-hmm. Melbourne, um, and there was a fantastic teacher there um, who taught me so much. Yeah. Um, he taught me about how to relate with students and... Uh, how to use all the different equipment and stuff like that. Uh, but he was ne- nearing the end of his um time teaching. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I was going to have to kind of step up and kind gotcha. of be head of faculty and yeah. I was a bit daunting. Um <laughs> yeah. so I look I was looking for help. Yeah. And the teachers association datavic um they were running some stuff around CAD and I saw there was a workshop com- a conference coming up mm-hmm. and so I went along and so that's where I got help. Yeah. And ever since then I've, I've attended everything I could and within a couple of years uh, mm-hmm. they asked me to join the committee and, yeah. and, um, and and then the rest is kind of history. Mm-hmm. But the if you don't have that space, if you don't have that support network, it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. So um, you can do it
2: mm-hmm.
0: on your own. <laughs> maybe not if you've got a family though or you know a life outside of, of That's true. teaching.
2: Yeah. yeah
0: because th- this job isn't getting any easier. Yeah. Teaching's getting harder and harder. Um, and they're, and we're getting more and more time poor. Yeah. Um, so get support where you can. Teachers associations is one great place to do it. Of course there's lots of stuff online as well. Um, but I think the other thing is 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 trusting the students. Just giving them the opportunity to to, to show you what they can do.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, setting a task that's maybe too difficult, yeah. just seeing if they can rise to the challenge. Um, and it's amazing that I was just talking to a, another colleague of mine there about robotics. Mm-hmm. Both of us are not very confident in that space. Both of us have a robotics class next year. <laughs> and uh, and you know we'll, we'll, we'll play with some stuff during the holidays and and we'll maybe chat to some of the traders and maybe yeah. get them to show us some stuff. Yeah. That type of thing. But um but largely what we'll what we'll do is we'll buy a load of stuff We'll get in there with the students and we'll play yep, with, with them. Yeah, with them. Yeah, and then we'll uh, set a task. Yeah, and we'll see if they can do it. Yep. and they'll probably teach us way more than we can teach them. Yeah, all we are doing is providing them the opportunity and the resources.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what happened at um, the first day in the conference. Actually, um, we had two headsets going on, um, and we were just playing with the o- couple of the Oculus Go headsets. And um, the uh, the dad, I think he was in a maybe. Early, early 40s mm. and then the kid was in, he had just finished grade five. So they both put the headsets on at the same time. They have both never used it before. And uh, it was kind of interesting to watch what was happening because we gave them the handsets at this almost the same time and the dad kept asking, oh, so what's this button, what's this button, what's mm. this button? And the kid didn't ask a single, single yeah. question. He just took it and naturally started to move around. And we kind of stepped back, my whole team just stepped back because these guys were having their own conversation and the dad's asking questions, going, yeah. oh, so what do I do now? Like, um, I'm, I'm seeing this, um, what, what's, what's happening here? Yeah. Where he's like, dad, go there, like, point at this while he's in his own virtual reality yeah. environment and he's doing his own thing. Yeah. And he just ran away with it. And, and yeah. he was on it for much longer. The, the dad got overwhelmed and he took the helmet off after a few minutes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's really interesting to see that. It's amazing. We, 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 have, a, <laughs> we
0: have a PlayStation at my house. Is there Unab- a PlayStation VR? No, okay, not yet. Not yet. I, I, I can't afford that yet. Uh, fair um, enough. But um, I, I, I didn't have one as a child, so now yeah. I got a, a little bit of cash, I, I got one, yeah. And uh, so I'm very happy about that. And my son, he's only just started using it for some games, okay. and we're just slowly introducing that.
1: I've asked before how long, how old is your son? He's eight, he's, he's eight, all right, he's, he's
0: an interesting eight year old, Um so he's he's kind of he's very keen to get into it. It's, it's probably a mistake to be honest but anyway here we are and then uh, but yeah he just gets it he yeah. just I have to go how do you do this where do you go he's dad stop bothering me I'm, I'm he's he's way past me yeah and um, so they're just completely comfortable with that and and, and they're not afraid of uh, exploration and failure mm. they're, they're not afraid of failure um And it's what those games are all about. It's about failing and failing and failing and failing and failing until you get to the next thing. So there's a level of grit and determination in there that's kind of natural to kids. And I think we teach it out of them. I think we teach them that failure is bad. Mm. And I think it's to do with the way we assess, and I think it's to do with the culture in schools Mm. and parent expectations. uh, Because when they were growing up, however you did at school, Set you for life. Yeah, yeah, and that's not the case anymore. Yeah, and I think we need to get back to that, um, encouraging kids to play, to be experimental, to embrace failure. Yeah, if you're failing, you're learning. Yeah, um, so I think that's a, a and for our learning area, that's vital. And we kind of get that, mm, but mm. schools don't. Mm. Not 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 in the whole. Yeah, um, so that's that's another challenge that we're kind of facing.
1: I find it really interesting because my with my own background um, having gone to school in Sri Lanka mm. um, where at the end of every term we get a report card and with our grades we have a position, a mm. class position. Mm. So basically we know who's number one versus we know who's last and everyone sits that, at that point. Yeah. The grades are almost irrelevant yeah. as long as your position is good. Mm. Um, so all the kids always go for like, you know, I, want, I need to be number one, I need to be number mm. one or number two mm. and when they don't they feel like a failure mm. and, um, and then you subconsciously actually resent your friends who sure. become higher. And like, I don't even want to think how the last student feels.
0: <laughs> yeah. You just stop trying. You switch off.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. I remember the, like, luckily I was always kind of in the one to, I shouldn't say one, actually that only happened once, probably <laughs> like two, three to about 10. Yeah. I was kind of somewhere in between that. Uh, but one semester, something went wrong. I actually got 17. Yeah. And I remember looking at that uh, report card and like, I'm like, how am I going to take this? to My parents like, mm. Yeah, I'm like the worst failure in the world right now, yeah, yeah. and it's literally because of that number. Like, yeah. if it was just the grades, we can address those problems initially. But then that's when when we came to Australia, we understood that Australia is actually very lucky, mm. and there's so much capabilities here that we can that we that other countries don't have, mm. and we we can actually we have a really caring. Um, bunch yeah, of teachers as well. Al- al- although we have
0: this kind of ATAR system as well, which is pretty much what you're talking about, yeah. Back home, where these kids are, are ranked, um, and there's so much pressure put on them, um, to achieve that, that number, yeah, that will then set them on the path for the rest of their life, which we know is not true. I mean, there's so many different pathways, exactly. Um, so. It, one of my big things is about students enjoying the, their education. Mm-hmm. Because if they're having fun mm-hmm. and they like learning, yeah. then they'll keep doing it.
2: Yeah.
0: But if we burn them yeah. through this machine that we've created, yeah. um, then, they, then they won't. and they, when, when they're older and they need to retrain, because this is what the future of work is going to be, people yeah. retraining constantly and having to upskill and then learn new technologies, new things. Yeah. If they've had such a bad experience at a young age, that's a barrier that they might not be able to get through. And, and so that's, that's our fault mm. that we've done that, and we yeah. really need to kind of um, change the way that we do things so that students are more resilient mm-hmm. uh, in their own lives, in their own careers, yeah. and they're comfortable with failure, and they're comfortable with scrapping the way they used to do things and doing things in a new way. Yeah.
1: Um, we really have a lot of work to do there um, beyond this learning area. That's beautiful, I think um, that's all the time we have right now as well and I think you just perfectly summed it up in that last last um, paragraph there so thank you so much for um, chatting with me and um, I'm sure that the listeners are going to have a great time listening to this conversation, especially with our accents as well Yeah, yeah. good luck with that,
0: <laughs> yeah. apologies Thanks for having me Rishan and uh, good luck with the podcast Thank you, my pleasure mate, thank you